Hello and welcome to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick. I'm recording this on the eve of the Feast of St. Nicholas, which is a big deal in the Netherlands. I'll talk about that and about other things in this show, provided that I get to the end of it, because, well, I'll tell you later why. First of all, I want to thank all my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick for, for their ongoing support of my efforts to bring you content on a weekly basis. Um, finally, starting to implement the changes. We're going to simplify the tiers. We're going to make it much easier to become a patron, much cheaper also. And we've got some really nice surprises lined up. For those of you that have been following me for years, missing the old stuff that was used to be out there on the web, it is now completely gone. And yes, we're finally getting ready to to uh, produce these international documentaries uh, about all my travels. And you can help me do that by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick because that will require some extra investments, especially when it comes to translating the stuff that I've done for a Dutch audience. I want to make that available to an international audience, but that is something I, I need help with. And so that is why I need your support. Thank you so much for considering it. You know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So here's what's happening in my part of the world. I'm sick. I uh, I woke up this morning. I, it was actually not the first day that I'm sick. I've been sick for uh, about three or four days, but I didn't know what it was. It felt at first like a fever. I had an um, incredible headache like I have right now. Um, and I had this feverish feeling. I thought it was the flu. You know when your your muscles are aching and, and, and you just feel terrible. And uh, that's uh, and it didn't get better. And then um, two days ago, I start developing this rumbling noise. I don't know how to describe it otherwise. It's a it's rumbling in the deeper parts of my lungs, like if there is some something that's loose there. And every time you breathe, you hear that like that. And you cough, but the, you feel that there's something stuck there, but it doesn't come out. And that's when I knew this is this is my my old friend. Inherited from the years that I studied in Rome, um, which is chronic bronchitis. This is something that the doctors in Rome warned me for. Uh, back then, I've I've walked around with uh, a lingering uh, pneumonia for several months because I was misdiagnosed and mistreated by a local doctor there. And it's only in the hospital that they could see that it had damaged my lungs, and they warned me uh, that. You know, every once in a while you get this chronic bronchitis and then um, the only thing you can do is to rest. It's the best thing you can do. Um, so that is what I need to do urgently. Um, but I couldn't uh, for the past few days because there's so much work that needs to be finished. Uh, I see that Hugo, my cameraman and uh, a good friend in all our Creative Endeavors is also in the chat room. He needs voiceovers for the Scotland episodes. And, uh, and so that's why I'm, I'm still here. I'm, I'm trying to do everything that needs to be done so that I can be free for, uh, for, the, for Christmas. Um, but man, oh man, oh man. I don't have the margin to be sick, but when it happens, well, what are you going to do? So that's why I'm maybe not at functioning at 100% during this show, but I'm still going to record something because otherwise, well, what else am I going to do with my life, right? <clears throat> so hopefully the coughing will be reduced to a minimum. I'll try not to infect you, although there's not much chance. Um, lots of things to talk about. Of course, Star Wars is just around the corner. Yesterday I got a reminder from Disney why I haven't responded to their invitation for the red carpet premiere in Amsterdam yet? Well, I'm waiting for my brother to react because <laughs> he wants he needs to come <laughs> Not with like me. Movies, they're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm gonna give it to you. 
I'm really certain that we won't get bored with the ending of the Star Wars saga. Uh, I think we're in for a treat. I, I really have great confidence in JJ uh, and what he's been uh, doing with the story. Um, and a lot of the the elements that surprises and shocked us and also for some Star Wars fans really angered them, I think were inevitable if you follow just the story of uh, The Force Awakens. So I think a lot of the things that... Uh, oh, there's the bell, the doorbell. I hope Inga will, uh, will answer it because I can't. I'm stuck here. Inga, can you please go down the stairs and answer the door? Um, so uh, it is... Uh, what was I going to say? Now I got distracted because it may be Amazon. I've ordered some stuff online and... Uh, uh, <laughs> is she going down the stairs? Now I'm getting worried. Okay, I'm going to take a look. Hold on. Hold on. I'll be back. Sorry about that. <sighs> Let me explain what happened. So there's this boy. Uh, or actually, he's a man, but he is, um, let's say, mentally impaired. He also happens to be one of the acolytes. The problem is uh, he has these, I don't know, something. sometimes he gets fixated on something. And uh, he keeps doing that over and over again. And so lately, he's been, every day that I'm here, he's been ringing the doorbell. And then he just stands there and is like, I will see you on Sunday, right? Yeah, I will see you on Sunday. Um, and uh, and he keep, But he keeps repeating that. And uh, so now it's like, and every time I'm in the middle of something and it's, what are you going to do? So it's really... Um, uh, it's very irritating but at the same time you know because he's he has you know um uh like m mentally uh doesn't always understand what's going on so do you have to be strict do you have to set boundaries or not and i'm now i'm more tempted to really so i just yelled at him i have no time because there is no reason for him. And if you reward him by opening the door, he's going to repeat it. He's, and it get may get worse. Um, so really, really, really uh, obnoxious. That's, that's one of the tricky things of uh, being a priest. You're supposed to be... At least, who, who tells me that? But in my mind, I always have to be kind. I always have to be patient. But to be honest, I'm not. And, and this just really ticks me off. Like, oh, come on. Not again. Ugh. Anyway. Um, where was I? Yeah, we were talking about Star Wars. Um, so I have great confidence. I want to go to the premiere uh, with my brother because we've seen all the Star Wars movies together. Um, the thing is, my, 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 the family of my brother is preparing for to get to move. Uh, and so I've, I've texted him several times. Uh, he doesn't pick up the phone. Um, like, like I need to answer Disney um, if we're uh, if we'll be together because then I have to give them him uh, them uh, his uh, 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 data as well. Uh, but he doesn't answer, so I like I get a reminder yesterday evening, and like, oh my gosh, I only have a few days to answer, and I really want to do want to go to that red carpet premiere. Um, Anyway, well, we'll, we'll see. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, I've been changing a little bit uh, what I do on YouTube for the uh, the videos that I do about the Mandalorian. Instead of doing like this total recap and uh, going through all the details, I um, I I tried something new and did uh, like these very short form videos, more like a like some some thoughts, like five thoughts or five ideas or three ideas. Um, to see how that works, I definitely have to say that it's it's more. It feels like more like a, a thing that could eventually um, be the the best way to approach this to generate some views. Uh, the only thing is, I'm I'm usually very late in recording these things. Like uh, episode three, I only recorded that two days ago because time, <laughs> because too much on my mind. Um, but I, 
I really think that if I focus more on on the YouTube channel and try to build it up, uh, but to do it really, really well instead of just winging it like I've been doing for 10 years, uh, this channel has the potential to grow to several hundred thousand viewers. I'm, I'm pretty confident that I could do that. But in order to do that, I need to free up time. Um, I don't even have time to go to the movies anymore. The last time I was in the, in the movie theater is like three months ago. So uh, it, it's, um, it's definitely something that requires me to make some choices. I talk a little bit more about that in the episode of The Walk that I recorded uh, for you. So if you want to hear Mike, and this is still a process that I'm in the middle of, so I haven't made any decisions yet. But I, I feel that n next year I do want to make the choices that I won't regret. I'm, I, I often have the feeling that I'm living not my own life, but I'm living the life that other people expect of me, whether it's in the parish where there's a lot of pressure on me to go with the flow of just trying to keep everything up and running while everybody knows that this is absolutely impossible with 15 churches and three priests. And I think in the near future, there will only be two priests. You cannot possibly have 15 masses every weekend. It's impossible. It's already impossible right now. But what they do is they just let you like run around like a madman. And we're talking huge distances now. And I, something has got to give. I don't think that this is good for me. It's not good for vocations either because, you know, when young people see this, it's like, why would you ever become a priest if <laughs> the only type of priest that you see are just like these super managers that are like running around like idiots? Um, but also something has to um, change, I think, in a way I approach. I, I just have to make choice, choices. It's better to do one thing really well than to do 10 things you know, very in a very mediocre way. Uh, that is the gist of what I'm talking about on on the episode of the walk. But let's talk about movies and TV shows. There was some interesting news the other day, and I've already tested it out for you. That Plex Plex is a service free a free app that you can install on your PC, uh, and you can also it's also available on a lot of the smart TVs uh, on all mobile devices. Plex let you lets you set up. <coughs> a media server on your own computer. And you can point it to the audiovisual content that you have. It can even play DVDs remotely and Blu-rays remotely. For a long time, I didn't have a Blu-ray player. But if I wanted to watch a Blu-ray on my home television, I would just launch it in on the computer and then via Plex I could watch it. But it's also for, you know, uh, downloaded videos and stuff. But Plex now has, and this came out of the blue for, for a lot of people, uh, they're going to offer movies. Lots and lots and lots of them. And they will finance it just by advertisement, but they vow that it's going to be much less advertisement than, for instance, on the free version of Hulu, which we don't have here. And that, that's one of their other big advantages is that for all the movies that they're going to uh, make available through Plex, um, they have uh, international licenses so they can bring these movies to 200 countries. So I immediately started to take a look. First thing that surprised me, you can't watch this on your computer. At least I haven't found out how. So normally I can also watch, use the, my browser to go to the Plex server and then just watch my content there. Uh, this only seems to work on the apps. So I launched the Plex app on my, what is it? I, I think I've got an LG Smart TV. And uh, I had to change some settings. Um, so by default, I think my Plex installation didn't open up that content. Um, but there are some tutorials on the Plex website. Um, and I, so I went to ITV and I immediately, and all of a sudden I saw a lot of content that they offered, or a lot. Actually, it was not much that they offered, but still interesting. I mean, these are free movies. So they've got Django from 1966, I think. Uh, they've got some really cheesy TV movie, but like the typical stuff, like low-budget science fiction uh, that you'd see in the 90s. Uh, uh, this is uh, about two brothers that discover that there's a miniature army, basically an army out of toy soldiers that lives underneath the cupboard, and then all of a sudden they get sucked into that world, and they... 
I mean, it's really bad, but it's so bad that it becomes like cult. And so I've been watching that with very much a lot of interest. I was like, yeah, oh, those were the movies that you could get. You know, when when you went to the, um, how would you call that? The video store, like, uh, like Blockbuster. Um, before the era of the DVDs, they would have these rows and rows of VHS cassettes that you could rent. And you could rent them for a day or if you paid a little bit more for an entire week. But sometimes you were just browsing and you would have these kind of like a, a movie. And this is, you know, before the big era of the internet. <coughs> You'd have these movies where <clears throat> the artwork was interesting, the premise was good, and you would just rent it. Oh, like, what the heck? Just, let's just try this out. And then you'd like, oh my gosh, this is so cheesy. That's kind of the vibe that I get, at least very, you know, low-budget production. Um, what was it called? I don't know. Um, something about uh, an army. Anyway, this is one of the six or seven movies that are on Plex right now. So hopefully they will they will bring us... They're, they're going to bring us much more recent stuff as well. And the advertisements are just, you know, I think it's just twice or three times per movie so it's and it's all very short it's gonna be interesting what i liked about the initiative is that they also want to bring a lot of content from foreign countries that normally wouldn't end up on on let's say the the, the other streaming channels like netflix they're usually going for big budget productions uh plexus is I think just taking the breadcrumbs under the table but so this may also be a very interesting venue for my own stuff. I'm thinking, hey, I've got I've got a lot of stuff that I think would totally work in a Plex environment, but maybe not the exact like 4K super quality that Netflix requires. So, I'm going to keep an eye on on how that develops. I I really like the international flavor. So they've got some science fiction stuff. It's clearly also made in the era of, uh, what was that first um, Cloverfield movie? Uh, and and like the Blair Witch Project, like these very low budget, but really well thought out ideas. I see a, at least there was one science fiction movie that was filmed in that style. And I'm looking at that and thinking, whoa, I think my, look, my stuff would be a r definitely superior to this. So maybe that is a definitely, I, I love it when distribution becomes more diverse. So it's definitely something to uh, look into. Uh, what else have I been watching? Well, The Mandalorian, of course, uh, but I already talked about that in on YouTube. Um, I've been continuing to watch uh, just the usual stuff. Was there anything else that I don't, don't think I've watched any movies? Lately, who just gave me a thumbs down here on YouTube? Oh, <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, I can't remember. Oh, yes, of course. I need to mention this channel, uh, that uh, Cliff Ravenscraft uh, helped me discover. It's uh, on YouTube, and it's just a YouTube channel dedicated to documentaries, and there's some really good stuff there and i have never i had never seen it before so let me see um like there was this uh, this documentary about the tire industry that i've been watching part of and it's about uh, you know what a dir dirty business this actually is <coughs> <coughs> and i like i like that it is all um uh r really good documentary dw is the documentary maker yeah, so it's called DW Documentary. And they've got a lot of well-produced stuff. And I'm thinking if, if that works, they've got one million subscribers. So this is a documentary channel on YouTube, and it's all long form. So I'm thinking, well, if they can do that, why can't I? Uh, anyway, so DW Documentary, that's what it's called. It's time to visit the Peculiar Bunch, talk a little bit about St. Nicholas. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and their saints, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? 
And right now, I want to talk about uh, the most important saint in the Netherlands, and it is Saint Nicholas, whose birthday we celebrate tomorrow, the 6th of December. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. And before I tell you all about it, I want to say... Buongiorno to Christopher Terenziani, who is watching from Italy. Thank you <laughs> for watching. Anyway, so um, St. Nicholas is uh, the best-known best saint in the Netherlands, even though his feast day has transformed into something that is way bigger than just a Catholic church. Um, originally, St. Nicholas was celebrated uh, in many parts of the world, Um in, for instance, in Italy, he's very well known. He's celebrated in Germany, in uh, a quite a few uh, North Euro northern European countries. Uh, lots of the lore around St. Nicholas was transferred to the United States and kind of mingled with other traditions, and that uh, ultimately kind of turned into Santa Claus. You know, Santa Claus is itself a contraction of St. Nicholas, even though there are also many other influences on Santa Claus mythology. Uh, St. Nicholas uh, was, uh, one of the reasons that he's so important in the Netherlands was that he's the patron saint for the sea, f the people at sea. Um, so he's a saint from the early times of the church, early centuries, um, and uh, as a bishop, he uh, would help the poor, but he would also perform miracles, and sometimes people on in boats in the middle of a storm uh, would be miraculously saved by St. Nicholas. And since, uh, of course, the Netherlands is a seafaring country, St. Nicholas is also the patron saint of Amsterdam. I bet you you didn't know that. So, And St. Nicholas is also uh, a feast that is um, linked to the, these winter celebrations or uh, also winter... Um, how would you call that? Winter charity... Like I've explained this before, like Halloween originally was also one of those feasts where the poor would go from door to door on the eve of uh, Saints of All Saints Day, All Hallows Day, and then uh, the people with a little bit more money would give them clothes, food, whatever they needed in the winter time. And so Saint Nicholas, being himself also someone who helped the poor, was an inspiration for this children's feast that ultimately resulted in what we have today, where the children uh, celebrate his his coming um, amongst us. There's literally a guy with a beard uh, dressed up as a, as a bishop who <laughs> arrives in the Netherlands on a boat, usually. Uh, the lore says that he's coming from Spain, and uh, at night he rides on his horse over the rooftops and uh, uh, puts... Uh, presents down the chimney so the children put their their uh, shoes in front of the chimney they sing a song they put a carrot or something like that for the horse in the shoe maybe a list or a, a, a drawing or something like that and the next morning saint nicholas will have visited that chimney and uh one of his aides will have put the presents will go through the chimney and put the 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 presents in the in the in the shoes. When I was a little boy, uh, we didn't live in a house with a chimney. Um, and so I was terrified that St. Nicholas wouldn't give us any presents. Uh, so our parents made us put our shoes in front of the central heating. And, uh, and I was like, as a child, I just could not, I, like, of course he's a saint. He must, he can do miracles. How, how other, how is it possible otherwise that these presents go through the central heating system and end up in our shoes. And we would, uh, my mom reminded me that uh, uh, from, we lived on, I don't know, like the fourth floor of the, of the, of this uh, apartment building. We also could see the roofs of the building on the other side of the road. And as a child, our imagination was so vivid that we, 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 uh, several times we would swear that we saw him riding on the rooftops on the other side of the street. So for us, it was no, there was no doubt that uh, he was real. And um, I think it's a, it's a beautiful tradition. Um, I wish that it would be less controversial because right now it's very controversial in the Netherlands, not with children, but with adults. There are entire culture wars being fought in this country for three, four years now because of the helpers of St. Nicholas. We don't have fairy helpers like Santa Claus in uh, 
or dwarves. Um, in our country, there is a tradition to have um, these helpers are wearing blackface. Um, and for many years, nobody made a big deal out of that. Uh, the explanation that our parents gave us was that, well, since these helpers are going down the chimneys, that's why their faces are black. And as a child, you're like, yeah, sure. Then later on, you start to, to realize, and it's also because of uh, the, the international pressure, like a lot of other countries were like, oh my goodness, that's such a racist thing there in the Netherlands that this tradition has to change. And of course, we get more and more migrants also in our country. They're also offended by this tradition. Not by St. Nicholas or by the gift-giving, but by the, these helpers with blackface. That, that uh, uh, there, there were, There's a lot of division in society, and there are efforts to, to kind of turn this around. Well, if they would actually go through a chimney, they, their entire face wouldn't be black. Plus, of course, if it's, by, if it's because of the chimney that they're black, then why do they have the black curly hair and the red lips and the golden earrings? That is... And in... When I was young, these helpers were also usually portrayed as being super dumb and like being really clumsy and they would talk with this kind of Jamaican accent. So definitely remember that there were quite a few racist elements in the depiction, but since in the society nobody made a point of this, nobody made a big deal out of this, uh, there was not much controversy. And this is, this is something of the last couple of years and, and But there's also a part of society that wants to hold on to this old tradition because all the traditions are now being diluted and this is our feast and it's never been racist. And, uh, and so, uh, and you know what? It's, it's all this controversy that I understand why it's so controversial, but I'm also thinking this whole, this whole helper, this, this guy, was invented by a teacher in the earlier part of the 20th century. So we're not talking about an existing tradition. This was made up by a guy in the time that racism was very normal, you know, and the Netherlands has played a very dubious role overseas in exploiting and then also in slavery and, and whatnot. So if that, if that tradition was introduced, then we can also change it. Actually, that is a normal ingredient of traditions is that they change, that they adapt to new sensibilities, to changing culture. But you see this fear of change, uh, which, and then so they, this turns into this polarizing symbol for changes in general. That, that is why it is such a vivid and very controversial discussion right now. My prediction is this will take a couple more years and then it will just transform into something else that is just what traditions do they change they mutate and it's true in the church as well you sometimes see these wars on 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 social media about you know what is the real true only mass that you can celebrate of course it's not this novus order you know the all this terrible stuff that was introduced with the second vatican council no we want to we need to go back to the way it has always been and then this latin mass according to the trinitine 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 right <coughs> let me cough my lungs out here for a second <coughs> ah. the people that are sometimes proponing proponents of that type of tradition usually don't have much historical perspective either because also the Tridentine Tridentine, I think it's Tridentine, right, was only introduced during the Council of Trent. And before that there was a lot of diversity in the way mass was celebrated. So all these culture wars are so relative. That's why I never engage in them. It's like this is just the way the cookie crumbles. Welcome to life on Earth. Traditions are changing. The way we do things in the church right now, two centuries from now, it's going to be totally different. And a lot of the stuff will be stay the same. Foundations, the pillars are, are going to be the same. Dogma is going to stay the same. But the way that we express that, the way we celebrate that, that is always changing with the culture. And that's not a bad thing. A lot of the things that we hold dear around 
the Christmas celebrations, including a lot of the stuff that we do in the church, were also introduced many centuries after the birth of Christ. The whole nativity scene was invented by St. Francis. So we're talking Middle Ages. This is not something that Christians have been doing, you know, since the birth of Christ. And a lot of the, the uh, like the Christmas tree, that was a pagan tradition that, that we just kind of integrated. And then we came up with, well, you can also see the Christmas tree as a symbol of everlasting life because that that's a tree that won't lose its uh, its foliage during the winter time. So that's a, that's like eternal life where we will never die. And so it's always taking the culture, uh, discerning what is compatible, what is not, and what can we transform. That's the way uh, faith has always dealt with tradition. So uh, uh, it's kind of my I, my father told me taught me this. Uh, we would have these discussions. And when I was 18 years old, I was very black and white. I was like, this is the only true way of celebrating Mass. And, and this priest is a good guy, and that priest is, is evil because he, he forgot to kneel after the consecration or something like that. And like, my father was like, oh, come on. In, and then he would just tell us these long stories about uh, liturgy and the uh, among the early Christians and how that had changed and how Latin was introduced and where the the chasubles come from the chasubles that we wear in church so that's what the priest wears it's Ro- it's Roman attire it's what the Romans especially people in the Senate and stuff the more important Roman people would wear in the streets so it's basically just street street gear. Now we've completely se- uh, turned that into sacred ornaments or vestments, but it's just something that we picked from the local culture in Rome and then just made it universal. So it's all relative. It still has meaning, and because it has meaning, it, it, is, it is important, but it's still relative. It's what Pope Francis said uh, when he heard overheard someone uh, making fun of the headdress of uh, an Amazonian participant to the this recent synod. He overheard this, like, oh, look at that with the stupid feathers. And then he said, well, you know what? The, the, the berettas that we give to the cardinals here, they're just as weird. Uh, that's not normal either. But so what? why is one uh, attire more noble or more normal than attire from another culture? It's it's an expression of something, and it's so. With Saint Nicholas, I think it's important to realize that this ult- ultimately came. It's it's the feast day of a saint, and that saint gives us an example. That's what saints do, on how to live well and how to to live a meaningful life that benefits others and not just yourself. That is what Saint Nicholas has shown during his life. That is why we maintain this tradition because it's something that we want to pass on to the next generation, to be generous, to help the poor. That, to me, is also the cure and the way out of this polarizing discussion, is refocus on the saint, on on Saint Nicholas and on what he did for the poor. And the more we focus on the poor, the less time we have to fight with each other about ultimately things that, you know, yeah, they're important, but still... Ten years from now, this is going to be such a non-starter. Not this is not going to be a discussion anymore. It will, that will change automatically. What won't change is why Saint Nicholas is still relevant for the world of today. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night, the packet, the extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Ever since I switched to um, the new operating system on my Android phone, it doesn't recognize my fingerprints anymore. Huh. Oh, well. Um, I was opening uh, the app that I'm using to listen to audiobooks here on my, on my uh, phone to talk, to give you the precise title of the book that I have been listening to. Uh, for the past few days. It's called Better With Age, The Psychology of Successful Aging, written by Alan D. Castell. That's how you pronounce it, Castell. Um, it's, it's a book about aging. Because, of course, I'm getting very old. Um, now, 
It's because uh, and it's also something that I talk about in the walk of this week. Uh, the older you get, actually, I've always considered getting older to be a benefit. I don't get it why that is such a problem. I started to lose my hair before I was 40 years old. And I really didn't bother. I didn't care about it. I have a friend of mine who's also a priest. And he is just so upset that he's getting... The hair is turning gray. He's got a lot of hair. I'm thinking, dude, you still have hair that can turn gray. I don't have hair. And I don't make a point of that. I don't, I don't, it's not a big deal. Um, but it's also what I've l l discovered over and over again is that uh, uh, getting older has a lot of benefits. You get wiser. You've got much more experience. You very quickly can see if something is really important or not so important. Um, it, it, it's just very helpful to get older. Yes, there are some physical limitations. You can't. I can't run a marathon at the same speed as I could 10 years ago, but I can still run. And if I can't run, I can still walk. I, I was <laughs> I was triggered to read this book because I, um, I was trying out this new social network, Chinese social network called TikTok. It's not so it's not so well known in the United States. And there are some concerns about the, you know, the, because it's originates from China, even though there's a Chinese version of TikTok, which is heavily censored, and there's an international version, which according to the the company that owns TikTok is independent and is not monitored by the Chinese state. So they say. <laughs> anyway, but in the Netherlands and in a, a number of other countries here in Europe, this is the fastest growing uh, social network for teens. This has already surpassed Instagram. And... Uh, so I just wanted to try it out and see what it is, and I was uh, I was very uh, intrigued. It 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 is almost a copy of Vine. Remember that Vine when Twitter had Vine, these like fifteen seconds video. There is also an option to do like a one minute video, but that's about it. And it is completely algorithm driven. Driven. So it's not in with Vine. You had to go to Vine, and but you could still follow people or search for certain streams not here you just you it immediately starts playing a video you swipe up and the more you use it the more you like the more you subscribe to certain people the better it it starts to distill what kind of content is interesting for you but so you have as a content creator you, you it's very hard to bring people to you you have to make sure that your content does that so anyway like 90% of the videos are made by teens. And it's about teen stuff. So it's, <laughs> it's not, it doesn't go very deep. This is not the place for, you know, deep theological thoughts or something like that. But you also see the occasional old people. And I was laughing out loud. There's this one lady and I was just swiping up. And so I, I gave my age when I signed up. So probably it's like, okay, well, can, we can serve this old guy some old people. So you've got this woman, and she's like, "Oh, I shouldn't be here on TikTok because I I feel so sorry, but I I was so intrigued, but everybody's so young here, and I'm so old. I'm like I'm 30 years old, and I'm on TikTok, and I like it here. Can I please have some subscribers?" And I'm looking at that lady, I'm like, "Girl, you're 30 years old, and you call yourself old? <laughs> you're a kid." You're a kid. 30 years is not old. How dare you say that that is old? <laughs> hmm. if, oh, oh, if old you are like me, not as good looking you will be. Something along those lines. But I'm thinking, you know, what would Yoda do on TikTok? Uh, but it's also relative. And it, but it, it's like, okay, that is someone who really does not uh, age gracefully in the sense that, that that it's all about perspective it's all about how do you look at getting older so anyway i was this is supposed to be a book review this is a this is an okay book yeah it's a little bit long-winded sometimes it's not very well written it's also not very well narrated it's not narrated by the author um there's a lot of like like the first two chapters is just in this book we will and it's like just get to the just do just don't announce what you're gonna do just do it ah 
anyway, but there are some interesting thoughts about uh, uh, the advantage of getting older. It's all about mindset, basically. It's all about your attitude. Um, and, and it's also reassuring because it 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 goes in depth about you know how your brain functions when you get older and and so a lot of the worries the stuff that people worry about is actually not much to worry about what 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 matters is the the choices you make do the right make the right choices and especially this one thing that I talk about on uh, the episode of the walk is this question. If you look back on your life, what would you have done differently? And then most people regret, what they regret the most is that they haven't lived their own life, that they've lived the life that other people wanted them to live. And I was thinking, like, when I'm listening to this book, I'm constantly uh, like, okay, I need to make choices. I need to do what I want to do and not just go for the for the, for the deadlines and, and focusing on all this short-term stuff confidently go in the direction that you know you have to go and let go of the small stuff. Don't sweat it. Don't don't mind letting go. Um, one of the things that I got really worked up about was in a parish, this, you know, this, um, this running around. And uh, I'm not in charge, you know. I want to help, but I'm only an assistant priest. So the pastor uh, very much really wants to kind of keep everything the way it is. And so, as a result, I have to go run around. It's just crazy sometimes. I have to drive for half an hour to go to a church only to hear that the, the pastor who lives next door to that church is celebrating Mass in the church that I live next door to, talking about, you know, destroying the environment and, and wasting energy. And and I've been so worked up about that, and then I uh, every time I try to bring it up, it doesn't seem to really register. And then for the next year, I see that on a number of Sundays, I'm I'm uh, scheduled to say mass, but they've placed mass at like ten o'clock or ten thirty, which means I can only celebrate one mass that Sunday. Uh, whereas most in the past. I made sure when I was still the pastor, I would say, well, let's do one Mass at, at 9.30 and the other Mass at 11 so I can go to two communities. No extra effort for me. I've already thought about the homily. Um, and I, I enjoy going to these communities and seeing people on a regular basis. Well, this is out of my hands. And so it's just one of the, the... Listening to this book, I was like, okay, I can... I will never win this war. I cannot convince the people in charge to change this. I tried. So there are two options. I can either say, um, I let go in the sense that I don't care anymore. Like, whatever. I'll just do one mass that Sunday. Or I can let go in the sense that I can let go of, you know, being polite and kind and patient. And I can just say, well, hey, if you only put me on Sunday at 10 o'clock or 10.30, I'll go elsewhere. There are many, many churches without a priest, and I'm pretty sure that if I would put up a post on Facebook and I would say, hey, I'm available for two masses, provided that one community picks the 9.30 and the other one picks the 11, I'll, I'd be happy to come. I'd get My inbox would be overflowing with, with invites, so I can also go that way. The thing is, I don't want to stick with the status quo that makes me unhappy uh, because that is what I'm going to regret later. So, anyway, those are some thoughts why this, reading the book, it's, the book itself, itself is not such an interesting experience, but it helps me to reflect upon my own situation. Now that I'm getting older, I'm thinking about my dad who has worked so hard for all his life. He was definitely addicted to his work and so much so, he was a judge, he worked for a diocese, uh, and uh, so he's done a lot of like high-level stuff. He was always working. And, and we feared that once he would retire, that his life would completely fall apart. Not at all. He would just do other stuff. And, and, uh, and, but the only thing that he didn't invest in was a healthy lifestyle. He never walked. He well, he walked a dog. That was about it. He smoked. He drank way more than was good for him, probably. 
Um, and and he was, but he was always always stressed. And as a young boy, uh, and when he first met my mom, he loved to travel. They would go to Scotland every year. Um, he and once work took over, he never did that anymore. And so I'm thinking, well. And now he's he's of course in a uh, a foster or not he's in a home, bec- and and he uh, he's mentally, um, uh, he's got well it's getting better short term but still the it's a lot of lot of effects of dementia, and I think it's uh, there are there are a lot of missed opportunities there, and I'm thinking I don't want to follow his example in getting addicted or getting addicted i don't want to just work for the sake of other people's agenda i want to if i work if i invest my energy and my talents i want to invest it in what i believe is my vocation and not just what other people have imposed on me and that's also true for my vocation in the church i want to feel that i'm doing what god wants me to do and uh, there's this constant tension between, okay, I feel that this is not what I should do. There's also obedience in the church. What does obedience mean? It's like in an army where you just follow orders? I don't think so. Obedience is also uh, being obedient to God. Oh, it's a, it's not easy to, to make the right choices, but I feel that I need to think about these things and I need to take some decisions. So that's what I'm going to try to do. <laughs> We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. I want to give you uh, one more thing at the end of this show, and that is... uh, I've I've uh, I'm I've got new eyes. <laughs> That's how it feels when I um, when I'm at home and I sit behind a computer. Um, I was I was getting. It's also a sign of getting older. My eyes were getting are getting worse, definitely, and especially these last few months, uh, my um, short sightedness has increased. So it's harder for me to read like small letters on my phone for instance that's why i'm so happy that my new phone is so much bigger because it's easier to read and I, I used to have a monitor like a widescreen monitor but it was giving me a headache then i went to the optometrist i got new glasses computer glasses they are focusing on what's in front of you about uh, 90 centimeters away from my eyes that worked fine but i'm still getting a headache and i was squinting a lot and I, I do a lot behind a computer. Um, so I was like, well, I have this TV. Why don't I just put the t- use the TV as a monitor? And it's like a 48-inch TV. Um, and so I put that thing in front of me. And all of a sudden, I could just do my computer stuff and gaming without having to use glasses. And, and I also like the immersion, especially when I was playing video games like your or if you if you watch my trailer reactions uh the the ones where i'm sitting behind a computer you'll see my head literally moving because i'm trying to take it all in that's because i've got this huge tv in front of me instead of this tiny monitor um but lately i was noticing uh, and this is also a side effect of of uh, streaming uh, some of my gaming sessions I noticed that actually a HD screen is pretty small if you also want to monitor what's happening in the chat. And I couldn't. I couldn't figure out how to do that. If you're playing a game full screen, there was no more room. I was like, I'm not going to put a second TV on this table. There's no room for that. So how am I going to solve this? And I was like, well, simple. I'll just get myself a 4K TV so that I can play a game in part of the screen and I have plenty of resolution for, let's say, the chat room and the streaming software. So, of course, being Dutch, I was waiting for a good deal, and I finally got one on um, uh, the Italian Amazon site. And it was a a Philips TV 
which had this nice backlight. So it, it projects LED, it has LEDs in the back and it basically it looks at the screen and then projects a color so that it becomes more immersive even. And it was dirt cheap. I think I paid like 300 bucks for a 49-incher um, 4K TV uh, with those LEDs. I was like, okay, sure, let me do that. So that arrived two days ago. Um, I, at first, I was like, oh, it's going to be another big box, and how do I get that thing upstairs? And But then I realized, well, well, this is a modern TV. It doesn't weigh much. So the entire box that arrived including the TV, but also all the other stuff that was in there was just 20 kilos. I can carry 20 kilos up the stairs. So I did that. Took I was like, okay, just go for it. I was already sick. So I let's do this. Um, why did I think that? I was sick. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I, it's not that I feel fit enough to, uh, to do anything else. Just So let's just waste my sickness on installing this new TV. So get rid of the old TV put the new TV on the table, and then I was like, okay, let's install this. And I always have this lingering feeling that, oh, provided there's nothing wrong with the TV, because then I have to send it back to Italy. <laughs> and it's always such a hassle with these heavy things. So I'm just praying that, that it's okay, it's not broken. Well, it turns on, and it says, hey, you got to sync your remote control. There's this super-duper new... Uh, remote control even has a keyboard on the back and everything so you have to synchronize it and it so so that it pairs so it starts to pair and then um and then the entire everything seems to work fine and it's like okay that's great let's let's set up this thing and use it as a monitor and then i pair the remote and then I get this this warning on the screen that says, your remote has an update. Will you, would you like to install the update? I was like, oh, it's probably a firmware thing. So I do, yes, sure. So it starts updating the remote control via Bluetooth or whatever. And then, uh, and then it's updated. And then I try, and then I relaunched the TV. No, and oh yeah, and then it's like, okay, that's up to date. Let's, in, let's connect the computer. Nothing. Dark screen. I'm like, oh no! I'm like, hmm. well, okay. So I tried it. Uh, there's this. It, I couldn't get it to work. So I, I there was no, not even a welcome screen. Nothing. It's just, and I could see that the screen was lighting up, but there was just no input signal. Uh, how am I going to do this? The remote did not react at all, or the TV didn't react to the remote. So reading up on the web because oh, I don't want to call the help desk in Italy. However, I don't, my Italian is not good enough to, to, to get this to work. So anyway, finally I find there's a way to reset the TV uh, by doing this, like you have to disconnect it from the electricity, wait for five minutes and then plug it in. And then it says, you have to sync your remote. So I'm syncing the remote again and then it doesn't work. It stays in this loop of the remote. The rem the You have to sync the remote. And it says, we're saving. Yes, we've recognized the remote control. We're saving the data now. Please sync your remote. Ah, no, no, it doesn't work. And then I started to realize, oh, I think I know what went wrong. The remote was updated, but the TV probably still runs on the firmware from 2018. And now that the remote is updated, there's probably going to be this disconnect because the TV doesn't have the software that it needs to talk to the remote control. What am I going to do? There's got to be an app for that. Yes, turns out there is a remote control app that I installed on the Android. And then you have to pair it with the TV. And uh, for some reason... The, the TV, because I fortunately had already connected the TV to the internet, to the Wi-Fi network. So through Wi-Fi, even though the TV is completely dark, on the app, the app can see the TV. So I have to then pair the app, which is a very bad app, super slow. I'm trying to pair it with the TV, and then finally it works. And there, I, there's, there's something on the screen of the TV. And and then I'm like, okay, so how do I 
update the TV now. And every time I would do something on the app, it would like take five seconds to register on the TV. Like, uh, so every time I was like, oh, okay, I activated this, and then it activated the wrong thing on the menu on the TV. So with a lot of patience, this took me like three hours and a lot of coughing fits. Finally, I find the menu entry that updates the TV, and then oh, I'm just praying like, please, please work, please work. It takes like an hour for that TV to update, and then it gets back, and I still the remote doesn't work. But through the app, I can get it to work. And at least I know the, the TV is not broken. It's just this, there's this syncing pro problem or anything. So anyway, I install all the updates, connect my computer, and lo and behold, boom, it's there. And, of course, it looks horrible because these TV TVs in the, their standard configuration are all programmed to wow the people in the store. So it's like... Uh, They've got like extra sharpness. They've got this this fake HDR. They've got motion blur and oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So you have to go and find out how to turn everything off. And now it, it works. And once I did that, all of a sudden the remote control works again. So it, it recognized the remote control and all is fine right now, but... Why is all new technology always giving me these these the, all this heartache? It's like why can't it just work <laughs> like Apple used to do? Anyway, I'm so glad that it works. And I have to say, it is absolutely as if I've got new eyes. I did not realize how much of a difference it is to look to look at this high definition screen compared to uh, the 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 well. Never thought I would call HD low resolution, but it is. Um, and what's also pretty cool is that I discovered that Windows has this automatic upscaling. So it just asks you, like, do you want me to upscale all the apps to, you know, regular settings for this size of the screen? And 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 at first I was like, whoa, this browser looks all so sharp. And, all, and then I'm realizing, well, wait a minute, the browser has the same size as it had on the HD TV. And so it turns out there is, there's a setting in Windows where I, I, right now it's on 150%. So that gives me enough to, because when I do it one-on-one, -on -one, when it's just 4K, as if, then it's as if you have four TVs in front of you, it's too small. I can't read it, not even with my glasses on. But if I put it on 150, it is a little bit smaller, but it's razor sharp uh, than on my old computer or old screen. But I have much more real estate. So I can now like put both a gaming window, I can all sorts of windows. It's also really great if you want to uh, do multiple things. I always have 100 tabs open. I'm old. <laughs> so sometimes I'll just take a, like a YouTube tab, take it out of the browser put it elsewhere on the screen do my email next to, while i'm watching this youtube video so it's pretty cool um and again what what really m makes it uh so much better than what i used to have is this backlight this led light it's amazing how much that just adds atmosphere i've got it against a white wall so it gives a lot of like when you're watching a youtube video full screen or playing a video game it's unbelievably cool to see that like I was playing Lotro the other day and I was in the Shire and all of a sudden my entire room is green because it takes all the all the colors of the Shire projects them on the wall and so it's like this like I am in Middle Earth it's almost 3D very very cool now of course it's 4K so my computer is having a hard time generating all that content Lotro is an old game, so that's fine. But I don't think I can play newer games with my current graphics card. Or it, the graphics card is pretty new as well. It's a 1060. But um, the, pro the processor in my computer is five years old. It's one of the earliest i7. So it's really, really, really in need of a refurbishment. So that's going to be one of the projects for my vacation. Building or rebuilding my computer, because it doesn't really need complete... A, complete overhaul but it doesn't definitely needs a new uh logic board and a, a new processor <coughs> and that there you go my coughing fit is telling me 
it's time to wrap up before I uh, die of uh, lack of lack of how do you call that? Cheerstoff. Oh gosh, air, breathable air. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for bearing with me. I'll be back uh, whenever I can. Talk to you later. Bye.